By now, you've probably heard of the ongoing banking crisis. Silicon Valley Bank, Silvergate, Signature Bank, and Credit Suisse all went down around the same time. Today, we're going to zone in on one of those banks specifically, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, what happened there, and the bigger picture issues at the core of the SVB collapse. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. So let's start with a popular theory that SVB was simply too focused on woke to survive. Pundits have been blaming SVB's collapse on its focus on DEI, ESG, and basically saying they were paying too much attention to doing what was politically or ideologically popular and not focused enough on sound banking practices. For example, SVB's leadership was highly involved in the World Economic Forum and their stakeholder capitalism metrics. SVB was not only implementing every single policy the WF outlines in its agenda, they were reporting back to the WEF on their progress. They also pledged or donated billions of dollars to progressive causes. Like Sam Bankman-Fried, these effective altruists were involved in donating to pandemic response, social justice, sustainability, and much, much more. Silicon Valley Bank was a politically correct, extremely diverse operation, but it only had one person on the board of directors who actually had investment banking experience. Other board members included politically connected elites who had ties to Nancy Pelosi. Because this is a free market and people, we are a free market economy, they should be able to participate in that. The Obama administration and Hillary Clinton. Among them were high-profile donors to those Democratic politicians and campaigns, including Joe Biden. Even more concerning, SVB's U.S. operations had no chief risk officer for eight months last year. J.R. Sapa, who was the risk officer overseas, has been largely criticized for focusing on safe spaces for coming out stories and other LGBTQ plus activism in the months leading to the bank crash. This has understandably led many to wonder if SVB was focused more on social justice than financial risk. So who had their money in the Silicon Valley Bank? Well, it was largely made up of venture capitalists, those involved in climate initiatives, and the big tech crowd. Gavin Newsom, a politician who lobbied for SVB to have its uninsured depositors reimbursed, failed to mention that he had his personal funds in there, as well as his private wineries and other companies. We now know that SVB's affluent and well-connected depositors were saved by the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, who will transfer money from bank fees charged to ordinary citizens to cover the uninsured mega deposits of the in-crowd at SVB. A few weeks before the bank went down, Gregory Becker, the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, sold $3.6 million worth of his shares. Two other top executives also sold a large amount of their shares, leading people to speculate as to whether they were engaging in insider trading. It gets even more interesting. Just hours before SVB went bust, they paid out annual bonuses to their employees at 1.5 to 2 times their regular salaries. All of this being said, we still haven't discussed what actually caused the bank to collapse. By some accounts, SVB was a solvent bank, meaning that unlike crypto trader FTX and that whole debacle, when things were going well at SVB, they actually had money to back their deposits. SVB had what are traditionally considered safe and stable mortgage-backed securities and treasury bonds. They had purchased them when interest rates were extremely low and probably planned on holding them for a long time. SVB's revenues had increased by the billions during the COVID era. 
venture capitalist funds stored up cash in 2020-2021, but in 2022 had lots of good investments they needed cash for. There was a run the first week of March where people thought the bank might fail. To increase their liquidity, SVB had to start selling some bonds. With the Fed aggressively hiking rates to combat inflation, the bank had to sell its bonds at a lower rate than they had bought them for, rather than holding them to maturity. AIER's Thomas Hogan explained how, because of the way banks like SVB are regulated, they have strict reporting systems that can cause more problems than they purport to solve. A recent mandatory report had shown that SVB was now at medium risk on paper, since they had all those securities reflecting low lower interest rates than the current market conditions. When word got out to the Silicon Valley crowd, the panic erupted and the herd mentality mimeticism kicked in. They reached the final precipice. This is the last chance to turn back. Yet over they go, casting themselves bodily out into space. Suddenly, everyone started pulling their money out at the same time. Credit comes from the Latin word credere, points out AIER Samuel Gregg, which means to believe. Once the herd stopped believing in SVB, an old-fashioned bank run began. Some are swept by alarm, and bank after bank across the country is hit by panic withdrawals. New lines appear on American streets, Depositors swarming to snatch out what savings they have left before it's too late. In our modern day, what used to take weeks began to unfold at warp speed with a few digital clicks. It got so bad that they blocked online withdrawals and then people began lining up physically to get their cash. SVB was rapidly depleted. So was SVB ultra woke? Yes. Was it politically connected? Yes. Did it seem to be more preoccupied with activism than risk management? Yes. Did this contribute to its demise? I'll let you draw your own conclusions. But we can definitely wonder if all of this had something to do with the bank being bailed out on the dime of the little guy. No losses will be, and I'm, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Thomas Hogan pointed out that to bail out uninsured depositors, the regulators had to name SVB as a systemically risky bank, but clearly it was not. This was just an excuse to pass the bill from taxpayers to FDIC insured depositors. There is a process for the systemically important designation and the regulators totally skipped it. This was a bailout of uninsured depositors that risky banks paid for by insured depositors at safe banks. FDIC covers up to $250,000, so the uninsured were rich VC firms with millions in the bank. They will be paid by assessing a fee on all insured depositors, accounts up to $250,000. According to Tom Hogan, this was a bailout of Silicon Valley billionaires that's going to be paid for by mom and pop depositors. And if we go back further, this points out a bigger picture problem. The Federal Reserve has the power to manage the economy. This is an impossible task. They printed billions of dollars in an attempt to rescue the economy from self-inflicted lockdowns. They then ignored the resulting heavy inflation, saying it was transitory, transitory, transitory. And then even once they admitted it was not, it took another six months for them to respond. When they finally started to act, they tried to correct the market by aggressively hiking the rates. Those aggressive rate hikes led to the distortion and perception of how safe SVB was to its depositors. 
In the meantime, risk management was either absent or busy doing other things. How is everyone doing? Strict reporting regulations led to mass panic among depositors, especially the Silicon Valley crowd who are infamously herd-like and they all lost trust at once. A non-event quickly turned into an old-school bank run and the bank came crashing down. And then what happened? Well, the panicked people ran to the government to solve their problems. Thomas Sowell famously said, it is remarkable how many political solutions today are dealing with problems created by previous political solutions. The SVB case illustrates how politically correct and well-connected players are bailed out by the establishment. In the meantime, banks like Custodia, who are pro-Bitcoin and sound money banking, have been shut down by the Fed when they applied for a Fed master account, a move that would have made their banks safer for depositors. Caitlin Long, Custodia's CEO, lamented, why can't we just have safe, boring banks? Yes, your money can be made safe in your bank, even above the $250,000 FDIC insurance limit. Ironically, the Federal Reserve is blocking the path to make it so. I was watching actually both Silvergate and Signature. I'm on the record that I was warning the bank regulators. There was bank run risk all over the banks banking this sector. And I did it months before the, the, uh, the, the bank runs actually hit, okay? And so, and I think this is interesting because Custodia, my bank, it has a 100% reserve non-lending model. Our proposal was to, was to keep 100% of customers' demand deposits on deposit at the Fed, and the Fed called that unsafe and unsound. Yet what has happened is that Fed-regulated banks, like Silvergate and Silicon Valley Bank, for example, they were the unsafe and unsound ones. While powerful institutions like the Fed won't facilitate safer banking practices for banks like Custodia, the FDIC will salvage the funds of those they favor, like SVB's depositors, by charging hidden fees to people like you and me. But more fundamentally, should the Fed even have the power to meddle with and control the economy? The whole SVB story illustrates just how accustomed we have become to seeking centralized solutions. The FDIC, I should know, is an arm of the government, and they are paying out customers directly. Thomas Hogan pointed out that SVB could have prevented this by requiring their uninsured depositors to pay for private deposit insurance. Many banks do this, but everyone is so focused on the government doing it through the FDIC that it's not even part of the debate. Private depositors insurance works better, but instead the government is bailing everyone out. This might be conditioning people to deal with the government directly when it comes to their money. And as a part of a larger trend, you might wonder if this is shifting consumers' mindset to be open to central bank digital currency, where central banks control your money. This is far from what the Federal Reserve was created for in 1913. In fact, they were never even supposed to be a central bank. But under FDR's reign in the 1930s, they were given the legal green light to manage the economy. This happened at the same time as the Banking Act was passed, which created the FDIC. Since then, we have been at the mercy of a centrally managed financial system. As this situation unfolds in real time, more information is coming to light, but I hope that this helped you to put part of the puzzle together. So what do you think about the SVB collapse and the state of the financial system? Do you think the government and the Fed should have as much power as they do? And if not, how do we change course from the current trend of centralization and having the government and the Fed have a leading role in the financial system? Let us know in the comments below.
And can you assure Americans that there won't be a ripple effect? Do you expect other banks to fail, Mr. President? Should all depositors be protected at all banks? 